Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I don't know if you've ever seen Jesus like a vision or a dream of him. I had this dream not that long ago. This little boy was really sick, and I knew I needed to get him to Jesus. And when I got him to Jesus, it was the Jesus from The Chosen. (laughs) So I don't know if that counts. Of course it counts. Does that count? Yes, because it's the visualization that whatever it is, you know, that you have in your mind that this is this is Jesus. It was Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, it was cool. So after Jesus rose from the dead, the New Testament tells us that Jesus physically appeared to many of his followers. It says that he appeared to Peter, who had denied him three times. Then he appeared to the other 10 of his closest followers. He appeared to James, his half-brother. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Jesus appeared to more than 500 Mm. at the same time. Can you imagine that? 500 people. If you think about being in an auditorium with 500 people, that's a lot of people. Yeah. So he appeared to that many at the same time. So at the time Paul wrote this, he's saying, there are a lot of people who saw Jesus alive. And you can check with them to see if what I'm claiming is true. What's so amazing to me is that Jesus appeared to the 500 at the same time. And I just imagine being in that crowd, you know, how would you have reacted Mm. in that moment as he appeared. How do you think it would have changed your life going forward? I think if I was already, you know, a Christ follower, it would just solidify everything that, you know, I had chosen and and believed in about him. But I think if I had not yet believed or had questions or doubts, like that would seal the deal. Mm -hmm. You know, I would 100% be like, okay, I mean, I saw this guy be crucified and now I'm, he's here. Like, this just doesn't make any sense, you know? So I think I would undoubtedly give my life to him and be a believer for sure. Part of the way. So like Thomas, you know, he said, I won't believe unless I see him. Yeah. And I put my hands in his scars and such. Yeah. And so Jesus appeared and said, here I am, you know? Yeah. So that's an example of what you're saying there. Yeah. I recently had a, uh, an encounter with the Lord where I, asked him to show me how much he loved me. And in that moment, in my mind's eye, I wasn't, I wasn't sleeping and it wasn't a dream. So I was awake, but in my mind's eye, I saw Jesus. Was it the Jesus from the chosen? <laughs> it was not the Jesus <laughs> from the chosen. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he took my, he took my hands and put my thumbs like inside the holes yeah, yeah. in the palms of his hands. That was his answer. There was no words. He didn't say anything to me. I just said, will you show me? I just need to know right now how much you love mm. me. I need to know that you do. Yeah. And he took my hands and put them inside the scars in his hands. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I think no doubt, you know, I would I would become a follower if, if I had been there in the 500, whether I was before or, before or after. It yeah. just solidify all that for me. So I have had a lot of time to think about this. Yeah. And... I've come up with a story. So this is not like off the cuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've spent some time mulling it over and in your holy imagination, this is what you see. Yeah, Yeah. this is historical fiction, if you will. (laughs) So I imagine being in the crowd with my kids when they were little. Mm. And I've been told that Jesus is going to appear, but I really don't believe it. But then there he is, breathing and alive. I see the scars on his hands and I know he's alive. Mm. 
and it changes everything. I know my life will never be the same because there he is. And years later, I'm thrown in prison for my testimony about the resurrected Jesus. And early one morning, I'm pulled out of my cell into the street and a soldier yells at me, curse Jesus, renounce him or be crucified. But how can I curse him? How can I curse him? I saw him with my own eyes. He's changed my life. And so I'm crucified like Jesus was. And as I close my eyes in death, I open my eyes to him. But this time he's surrounded by brilliant light. He's high and lifted up on his throne. Angels and saints are praising him. And it's so loud and so beautiful. And every time they cry, worthy is the lamb. It's like deafening claps of thunder. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. We are in a gratitude challenge right now. It's gratitude is greater than grumbling, focusing on not complaining and on giving thanks instead and just really focusing our thoughts as we approach Thanksgiving here on what we're grateful for. And I was thinking about this yesterday and I realized I am really grateful for time, time with my family. This summer, my husband and I had the opportunity to travel to Hungary and to Brno. That's where my oldest daughter lives. And we had so much fun with her just making memories. We got to climb. She's a rock climber. And that's actually a way in which she reaches out to people who don't know Jesus and meets people who don't know him and spends time with them so that she can share the love of Jesus with them. So we got to go rock climbing with her at the gyms where she climbs. And we got to, oh my goodness, we ate so much gelato. We danced in her kitchen, her kitchen. Like she grew up dancing in my kitchen. That's our thing is that we dance in the kitchen, that I get to be in her home in the Czech Republic and dance in her kitchen, which was amazing. And you did some rock climbing uh-huh. and, and you were very good at it. Thank you very much. I, I saw a video it. of that. Mm-hmm. It was lots of fun. I, I really loved it. I actually am looking for more opportunities to climb here because it was just so life-giving for me. I want to do more of that, but made great memories with Bryn out there. And I'm so grateful that we had that special time with her. We went out there for a special service where she was the guest of honor. And it was just, it was a cool thing to be a part of. And then Eden and Grant, the newlyweds moved to Australia in August. They were married in June, moved across the world in August and they're coming home for Christmas. And I'm so excited that they get to be with us and we get to be with them. I'm going to, I'm going to hug them and I'm going to feed them. I don't know why that makes my heart so happy, but I love to feed my people. So I'm going to feed them. I'm going to be cooking and we're going to talk about life and about Jesus and probably stay up way too late playing Settlers of Catan, but it's all good. And I'm grateful for that time together with them. So time, yeah, like moments in time are really a gift, but I'm also thankful for time as in time that has passed. You know, everyone is looking for the fountain of youth. How do we defy time? How do we defy gravity? You know, what cream, what pill, what procedure, what, I don't know, whatever is going to keep me from the effects of time. And yeah, I mean, getting older comes with having to let go of your youth for sure. But time can be a really good teacher. I was 13 years old when I gave my life to Jesus and I started spending time with him each day, reading the Bible and writing notes to him in my journal. You know, every Every journal entry every day when I write starts, good morning, Father. (laughs) And it's just an intimate interaction between us. And he's been transforming me for 
almost 40 years that I've had this practice of meeting with him. And when I think about who I was in years past compared to who I am now, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for what he's done over time. And I'm thankful to be in this season of life. When I was a teenager, I did not have the capacity to love people who were not like me. I loved Jesus, but I was more fearful of them rubbing off on me than I was of rubbing off on them. And I don't feel that way anymore. And I'm grateful for the transformation that God has made in my heart that I long to be with people who are not like me so they can come to know Jesus. And then like when I was a young woman, I was so anxious. Oh my goodness. I don't even think you would recognize me back then from how I am today. I just, I lived fearful all the time. Uh, dealt with a lot of anxiety and I wasn't very nice to myself. I didn't make it easier on myself. Hmm. And I, I now just experienced so much more peace. It's just unbelievable. And I'm grateful that life is different now, even from what it was a year ago. I, I mean this genuinely. I'm 52 years old and I still have so much to learn. And I'm so grateful for the things that life has taught me, for what God has taught me. I'm older and I'm wiser. Thanks be to God. And you know, this is this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> I'm talking in Mandalorian terms now. <laughs> this is the way. I mean, life is is hard. We start off, you know, completely helpless as a baby, completely dependent, and we don't know what we're doing. And our parents do the best they can and things happen in life and stuff happens and there's just perfect storms that happen in life and, you know, uh, hard things come our way, hard things hit us and, and all the time, you know, especially when we're leaning into Jesus Christ, he's working in us and he's pushing his, his word and his life into us deeper and deeper through all of the struggles. And that's, that's how wisdom comes. Mm -hmm. You just don't get to wisdom when you're 20 years old. You know, you have some wisdom, but you don't have the same wisdom you have when you're 30 and when you're 40 and when you're 50 and so on. I mean, that's the way generally it's supposed to work that you go through the hard stuff mm -hmm. so that you can have that wisdom to pass on to people who are trying to find it. So your journey, I, I totally identify with your journey. Our stories are different, but I could tell my story and come up with, you know, kind of the same result. Mm -hmm. I've learned so much. I'm not the person that I was. I think so often when we're going through it, like the season that we're in, we're just, and maybe it's just me, but I'm just trying to survive. Like I'm just trying to make it. I don't have grand plans of, transformation or of being radically different. I just want to make it through today. You know what I mean? And then tomorrow I just want to make it through that day. And it's like, I'm just trying to do the best I can with each day that I've been given. I don't see myself becoming like Jesus. But when I look back and I see who I was and then I see who I am now, then I see God doing incredible things. Yeah. And, and I realize I'm not just surviving and you know, he's doing something. Yeah. And it's a great point too. Growing to become like Jesus is humanly speaking, a slow process. It's slow. You know, we don't change overnight. It takes all those hard things and you wonder why, why Lord, am I not changing? But really we do get those moments of clarity 
wow, I really, I really am changing. God, you really are doing it in me. It's not wasted. Mm-hmm. This stuff you're going through. And uh, sorry, I got emotional there. My dad would have said that. That's funny. He says that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. A <laughs> little bit of daddy in me. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I'm grateful for time. Second Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Maybe like me, you have people in your family who aren't following Jesus. You know that they're facing an eternity without Jesus, and it just, it shakes you to the core, but you don't know what to do. Maybe you've tried and tried to talk with them, and they're just like, talk to the hand, talk to the hand. Maybe you're afraid to say anything. I don't know if you know this, even Jesus' brothers, those in his own family, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas didn't believe in him. John 7, 5 says, even his own brothers did not believe in him. And early in Jesus' ministry, he chooses 12 guys to be his closest followers. He starts healing diseases and casting out demons, and crowds start following him. There's this frenzy about Jesus. People don't really know what's going on, but it's just, we've never seen this before. And in Mark 3, it says, Jesus entered a house and again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So you've got this crowd pressing into this house and it's, it's wall to wall people and they can't even eat. When his family heard about this, this is his, you know, this is his immediate family, not just people who love him, but, you know, blood brothers and sisters, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Mm. They said this about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So Jesus knows what it's like to have family members who don't believe in him. And who think you're crazy because you do. Right. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So his own brothers, think about it. You're mad, Jesus. We're going to take you out of here and talk some sense into you. So it's compelling that in 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul talks about who Jesus appears to after the resurrection, it says that Jesus appeared to James, his brother, and James believed, and he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Tradition tells us that James was martyred, killed for his faith, by being stoned to death by the Pharisees on order of the high priest. Why did James believe Jesus appeared to him. And it's the same with those in our family who aren't following Jesus. They need to see Jesus. Mm -hmm. They need a revelation of him. They need to see with the eyes of their heart the love of God that has been revealed in Jesus Christ. Whether it's through reading the word or hearing a song or reading a book or a dream or a vision, Jesus still does those things, or maybe it's through an illness or an accident or extraordinary blessings, whatever. Mm. They need to see Jesus with the eyes of their hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have been challenged to pray for people that I know who are not walking with the Lord. And there's three people that are local that I pray for every day at one o'clock for one minute. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, this is a Lee Strobel concept, I think, you know, the one o'clock 
one person, one minute, you know, pray. But I got three in there. And um, also I just, I've got a couple of family members who are not walking with the Lord. And so I don't get to be with them daily. I'm not regularly in connection with them, but I'm praying for them as well, that they would have an encounter with God Mm -hmm. because they're around plenty of people who know Jesus. It's not that they don't know about this Jesus and that they don't know people who know this Jesus. They just haven't had a radical encounter with them personally. Yeah. And John says in his gospel that it's the Holy Spirit that convinces people that they need Jesus. It says that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, Mm -hmm. to convict the world of sin, to show the people in our lives that they need a savior, Mm -hmm. uh, to convict them that they need a righteousness that is not of their own. Because one day when we stand before God, we're going to need to be clothed in a righteousness that isn't our own, the righteousness of Christ, because we've fallen so short and the Holy Spirit convinces us that there's a judgment judgment that's coming. There's a day of reckoning that's coming. And so that's what we need to do. We need to pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would do his work in their hearts and pray that the Lord would just reveal himself in whatever way, shape, or form that it needs to happen. And I just want to thank you, too, for including us in this because, you know, so many of you have reached out to us and said, I have a daughter. Is this not walking with the Lord? Or I have a son or my grandkids. I'm just so worried. They're just so heavy on my heart. And I just want to tell you how much we appreciate that you entrust that to us and that you invite us to pray with you. Prayer is powerful and effective and prayer changes things. So we're in it with you. Yeah. So Lord, we just pray. We pray for our family members who aren't following you, who need to be awakened to you. They don't need religion. They don't need rules and regulations. They don't need to hear that, that they're such sinners and they're, they're such terrible people and they're falling so short and, and you just got to try harder. You just got to get up off your tail and get out there and, you know, start having some faith. (laughs) They need to have a revelation of you and your love and your kindness, and your power, and your holiness. So, Lord, whatever it takes to bring our family members into your family, Lord, whatever it takes, we ask that you would do it. Well, all month long, we've been focusing on what we're grateful for, and now we're just two days away from Thanksgiving, so we're just getting our hearts ready to share what we're grateful for. And I think gratitude is, it's really, it takes an intentional shift of perspective from what you don't have to what you do have. And honestly, the whole world is set up and wired for us to see what we want and what we don't have. You know what I mean? It's almost as if what's missing or what's broken or what's out of reach for us is like in vibrant technicolor and what we have already just kind of fades into the black and white. And being able to see and appreciate what we already have, I think it takes some training, but I do think it's possible. You know, we can bring all the gifts that God has given us into full color with just a little bit of practice. Every time you notice the good and you feel grateful for it, you're flexing your gratitude muscles and you're getting stronger. You're getting better at being thankful. And the word of God tells us to be thankful over and over again. But the other thing that happens is that we connect with God when we give thanks. He's the giver of all good things. You know, when you get a gift from someone, part of enjoying that gift is connected to how you feel about the one who gave it to you. So my daughter, Eden, 
learned to crochet and she gave me this blanket before she left for Australia. And I love, I love this blanket. I'm not joking with you. It is beautiful. It's super thick, so warm and cozy. It's this cream colored blanket and it has a soft hand border. And I just think it's awesome. But part of what makes me love this blanket, what makes my heart so happy every time I get up underneath it and snuggle under there to read or to have a cup of coffee or to work or whatever I'm doing is that it was a gift from Eden. She taught herself to crochet right before, you know, she went to Australia and she was committed to finishing this project before she left. So the final week stateside, she actually crocheted more hours than she slept each day of that week. So she could finish this blanket for me and leave it with me when she left. She loves you so much. Does love me so much. And it's mutual. I love her so much and we're pretty tight. So I snuggle under that blanket and my heart is warmed with thoughts of Eden. It's the same way when we recognize that God is the giver of every good gift. When we celebrate the things that God has given us, we get close to him. You know, we're grateful for the gifts that he's given us and our hearts are warmed toward him, toward God himself. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I love this verse so much. It's such a beautiful passage that just shows us what our God is like. Coming down from the Father, first of all, he's our Father, but he's the Father of heavenly lights. He's There's no darkness in him. Mm-hmm. There's no wrong in him. There's, there's just goodness and holiness and love and purity. And he shines that light of who he is into us. And he's a gift giver. This, this passage just, I don't know, just in a little, a little, a few sentences, is it, it's one sentence in one sentence says so much about our God and why I love him so much and just the joy of the good gifts that he gives Mm -hmm. to me. And I think, you know, intentionally recognizing that those came from the Lord. So I don't know, you're having yourself just a really great cup of coffee and you're really enjoying it. Thank you, Lord, for this cup of coffee. You know, knowing that he's the giver of the gift. Thank you, Lord, for the sunshine. When the sun shines on my body and I like my skin feels warm from the sun, like that is just a happy place for me. Thank you, Lord, for all this honey that I just put on my bagel. Right? Just piled it on. Thank you for all of it. I mean, genuinely recognizing that it all came from him. So let's start working out spiritually. You know what I mean? Let's start flexing our gratitude muscles. And at the same time, let's just fall more in love with the giver of all good gifts. I think we can start right now. Text us or call us. Let us know what you're grateful for. We'd love to hear from you this morning. 800-968-8930. It could be big, but it could be small. It doesn't matter. I'll start. I am grateful for dessert. Oh my goodness. I am grateful for pie. We had some thankfulness conversation about pie this morning and I love myself a good piece of pie. As you get ready to spend time with family members, maybe you only see them once a year and maybe they aren't following Jesus. Just remember how powerful the gospel is, even if we get to share just a little bit of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. I love this. This is from the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase. It's not a translation, but it just really gets at, I think, the true meaning of 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. And it says, 
I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by humans, to knock down the devil's strongholds. These weapons can break down every proud argument against God and every wall that can be built to keep people from finding him. With these weapons, I can capture rebels and bring them back to God and change them into people whose heart's desire is obedience to Christ. Isn't this amazing? God's mighty weapons are the gospel, the word of God, the truth. And, you know, sometimes when you're talking with people, you don't have to quote chapter and verse. You can just, you can just say it as if it's, you know, a wise person once said, mm-hmm. you know, this, this kind of thing. And it's the gospel that breaks down every proud argument. What keeps people from Jesus it largely is pride. And it's, it's the gospel that humbles us. The gospel shows us how very sinful we are. And then the gospel exalts us. It shows us how loved we are. And people build up these proud arguments and pride in their heart. They don't even realize that they have. And that pride is, is the wall that is built to keep people from finding him. The enemy builds that wall and people themselves in their own pride build that wall. Only the gospel can break it down. And I think, you know, upstream from pride is fear. What's behind pride is fear, fear of being fully known, fear of not being in control, fear of whatever the case may be. But I think it's connected with pride. And the word of God says that perfect love casts out fear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I think about the the mighty weapons of God, it's it's not, yes, the gospel and, and all that the gospel is, but not just knowing that and sharing those words, but also loving in that way, like loving the gospel way, mm-hmm. not just saying the gospel way. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming the gospel, mm-hmm. being that servant leader, that, that person that would wash another's feet. And as we speak the gospel and live the gospel, Paul says, I can capture rebels with these mighty weapons from God and change them into people whose heart's desire is obedience to Christ. This is why the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes because it really actually sets people free. Mm -hmm. It sets us free to do what we cannot do on our own. And that is to love God and to obey God because my heart's bent is not to love him and obey him. My heart's bent is away from him. And the gospel makes us people who fall in love with God and who can love people. So if this is true... Like if this is true, what we're reading that God's mighty weapons, you know, knock down the devil's strongholds and it's not just words, but it's the way that I live. Then by living the gospel, the more we can live the gospel, the more that we can soften hearts towards Jesus, Mm -hmm. not just in, you know, Hey, I'm going to be with some people who don't know Jesus. So I'm going to try to live the gospel right now for the next two hours. But like the more that we can embrace that as a lifestyle, as a way of living, the more our lives can be a part of breaking these strongholds. Yeah. And well, we don't have a lot of practice time between now and Thanksgiving and meeting up with people that may not know Jesus. Yeah. So we just got to bring who we are into the conversation and Yeah, live out the gospel. Lord, give me the wisdom to live out the gospel in front of family members. And and use Ron Hutchcraft's prayer. You know, it's the three open prayer. Lord, open a door, open a heart, 
open my mouth. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.